Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Good morning, White Sox fans. I'm Jim Margulis, and this is your White Sox wake-up call for April 23rd, 2019. The Baltimore Orioles are supposed to be the worst team in baseball, and the White Sox made them look like it. The Sox racked up their first true blowout of the season with a 12-2 victory at Camden Yards on Monday. The 10-run margin of victory was more than double their previous largest cushion, which came in an 8-3 victory over Cleveland back on April 3rd. The Sox did it with three different four-run innings, and you can credit James McCann for changing the course of this one. The game was scoreless entering the bottom of the fourth. The Sox had their typical struggles against the starting pitcher the first time through, but Manny Banuelos was just as tough. However, the O's loaded the bases with just one out on a walk and two singles, bringing Pedro Severino to the plate. A safety squeeze would have been a bad idea with the bases loaded, since it's just a forced play at the plate. What the Orioles did was even worse. Severino tried squaring around a bunt, then pulled it back. The runner on third, Renato Nunez, understandably tried to get a big secondary lead in order to beat any flip home, but that put him in a position of having to beat McCann's flip back to third. He couldn't. McCann made a sweet toss over Nunez's head to Yohan Makata, who tagged Nunez and put him on his back for the second out. Hanser Alberto then struck out to end the threat. McCann already contributed to a major swing with that play, an actual swing in the top of the fifth did even more damage. McCann came to the plate after a Tim Anderson double and a Nicky Delmonico walk, and he quickly fell behind 0-2 to David Hess. After two fouls, a fastball taken, and another foul, Hess made a mistake with a slider, and McCann crushed it well out to left center for the first runs of the game and a 3-0 White Sox lead. Jose Abreu eventually smashed a single through the left side to make it 4-0 as the White Sox sent nine batters to the plate, and those were the prevailing themes over the rest of the evening. The Sox scored four runs in the 5th, 7th, and 8th innings. They sent nine batters to the plate each time, and Abreu was prominently involved. He rode a high Tanner Scott fastball out to right for a two-run shot in the 7th, then spanked a two-run single through the left side an inning later. Abreu finished the game 3-for-6 with five RBIs. The 12 runs represented a season high, and so did the 15 hits. 
All 10 White Sox players who came to the plate reached safely, and Delmonico was the only one without a hit. The night ended with backup Baltimore catcher Jesus Sucre throwing the Sox 60-mile-per-hour slop, and that was the kind of pitch Abreu and friends couldn't square up. On the pitching side, Banuelos held up well in his first start in Lucas Giolito's absence. He may never quite be the model of efficiency, throwing 71 pitches over four innings, but he only issued one walk while striking out four. He threw as many sliders as fastballs, and it largely worked for him. He didn't get the win because he only lasted four innings, leaving it in the hands of the official scorer. Ryan Burr didn't get the W, despite being the pitcher to carry the game across the fifth inning, perhaps because he hung a ton of sliders, leading to Baltimore's first run of the game. Instead, the victory went to Jace Fry for his one and one-third scoreless innings. The two teams will be back at it again tonight at 6.05 p.m. Central on NBC Sports Chicago, and it'll be Ivan Nova against Andrew Kashner. Kashner is the one lucky Baltimore pitcher, going 3-1 despite a 4.97 ERA. Nova is still trying to get his first win with the White Sox. Not to get greedy, but it'd be nice to see the White Sox score early. Josh and I talked about this on Monday. Hess wasn't all that impressive last night, but he still retired 12 of the first 13 White Sox batters he saw, including Larry Garcia, who flied out on the game's first pitch. If you caught Delmonico's name in the recap, he's on the roster because the White Sox placed Eloy Jimenez on the bereavement list. Jimenez headed down to the Dominican Republic to attend funeral services for his grandmother. He'll miss the Baltimore series, but could be back on Friday for the start of the homestand. Down on the farm, a couple of key rehab stints are underway in Kannapolis, as Luis Basabe and Zach Birdie are back in your box scores. Basabe went 0 for 5 with two strikeouts for a rather quiet 2019 debut, but Birdie struck out the side on 18 pitches. The Intimidators beat Charleston 7-1 with their help, but it was a great night for Kannapolis up and down the lineup card. Steele Walker played his first full game in several days, going 2 for 5 with a double. Bryce Bush got a break from his massive struggles, reaching base four times in a single and three walks. Also, Jonathan Stever threw six innings of one-run ball for his first quality start of the season. Elsewhere in the system, Birmingham lost to Jackson 7-2. Laz Rivera was the only one of the key prospects to go hitless, wearing the collar. Joel Booker, Gavin Sheets, and Mike Rodolfo all went 1-for-4 with varying amounts of strikeouts, while Blake Rutherford was 1-for-3 with his first double. Bernardo Flores gave up a pair of homers and five runs over five innings, inflating his ERA all the way to 2.14. Winston-Salem beat Wilmington 3-1. Nick Madrigal went 1-for-4 with a pair of RBIs. Blake Battenfield allowed just one unearned run over six innings. And Alec Hansen continues to overpower the Carolina League in short outings. He gave up his first hit of the season, but he still threw two scoreless innings and struck out five. Luis Robert was out of action again, but the White Sox are calling him day-to-day with a hand contusion. The Dash did place an outfielder on the injured list on Monday, but it was Jordan George instead. The Knights were off on Monday, traveling back to Charlotte to open up a homestand tonight against Toledo. Around the league, Tampa Bay recovered from a sweep at the hands of the Red Sox by beating the Royals 6-3. Tim Anderson may be pleased to know that Brad Keller imploded in the 7th, perhaps because Ned Yost hates his bullpen. The Twins beat the Astros 9-5 as Jorge Polanco continues to tear the cover off the ball. He went 4-for-5 with 4 RBIs. Detroit was rained out in Boston, and the Indians were off. Bryce Harper became the first Philadelphia Philly player, not manager, to get ejected since 2015, tossed by home plate umpire Mark Carlson for arguing balls and strikes from the dugout. The Mets beat the Phillies 5-1 behind six strong innings from Steven Matz. Perhaps the biggest news from Monday won't be fully understood until today. Zach Birdie's brother, Pirates reliever Nick Birdie, dropped to his knees on the mound after throwing a pitch, clutching his bicep or elbow. 
He's already had Tommy John surgery once, and Bertie's reaction, not just the physical agony, but also the tears in his eyes, suggested something even worse. Hopefully it's not as bad as it looked. The Pirates lost to the Diamondbacks 12-4, but they have bigger concerns. They offered no definitive information after the game. That'll do it for this morning's wake-up call. Join us on SoxMachine.com to talk about the game and the night on the farm, and if you want to support the site and show, you can do so at Patreon.com slash SoxMachine. If you're new to the Sox Machine podcast, you can find it wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Sox Machine podcast. For SoxMachine.com, I'm Jim Margulis. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.